0: title is take your place run your race take your place run your race and I just want to start with uh, some scripture uh, Matthew verse chapter 1 verse 1 and it's the genealogy of Jesus and it says this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah the son of David the son of Abraham Abraham was the father of Isaac Isaac the father of Jacob Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amminadab. Amminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse and Jesse the father of King David King David was the father of Solomon whose mother had been Uriah's wife and we most of us will know that that was Bathsheba I'll pray Father I just pray this morning that uh, as I speak you would speak and uh, that you'd bring your word alive in Jesus name Amen you know, one of the things that I love about the Bible is, um, one of the many things I love about the Bible is the fact that sometimes, and this piece that I've been reading, the Bible takes great care, or the writers through God take great care to articulate a lot of information, and and. As I've, I've shared before, this uh, scripture that starts in the book of Matthew was uh, genealogy to establish the lineage of Jesus and the fact that he had fulfilled prophecies coming through uh, David and whatnot, just uh, in a similar way to in uh, Maori culture, uh, you would give your whakapapa. Uh You would uh, say what lineage you're from, what mountain you're from, what river you're from and whatnot. So and in uh, Jewish custom, this was the same. And so it goes into great detail to establish the facts as um, Matthew wanted to. But there are other times in the Bible where the Bible just states something and doesn't, doesn't give any fact behind it. Uh, it just states it and just glosses over. And sometimes uh, there's times where I've read the Bible and I've thought, wow, what's the other information that sits in behind here? But, it's, but it's the thing I love about the Bible and, and the fact is it doesn't attempt to prove itself um, it just because it can. And, and so what I want to talk about is one person in this that it kind of just glosses over although it doesn't because we're going to look at other other verses that actually brings it out. Um, But I want to look at the life of Rahab, the harlot, which is a strange topic for a church. But it just says in verse 5, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. And those of you that know will know that Rahab was a prostitute. And so I'm going to spend some time looking at that. And just before I get into it, I just want to um, set the scene that uh, basically um, in Joshua chapter 2, and I'll read from this, um, and then, uh, but before I read, I just want to remind us that when, A, when Israel left Egypt, it wandered in the desert for about 40 years. And God's intention was that when it left Egypt, it would pretty much immediately go in and start taking the land of Canaan. But due to Israel's state of heart and state of mind and state of disbelief in that, God said, basically, I'm going to kill them all off, let them all die naturally um, in the desert. And I'll send in new generations, Joshua being one of them. Joshua was one of the original 12 spies that we uh, know was sent in to, to assess the land of Canaan and see whether it was uh, takeable, what the food and the plants were like, what the people were like, how fortified the cities were and all that stuff. And the, and the 12 spies came back with uh, varying reports. 10 said it was untakeable. They said the people were like giants, and we were like grasshoppers, and Joshua um, and another um, said, no, we can take it. Israel decided not to. So why I give that is we're now starting in um, Joshua chapter 2, and I was thinking about Joshua, he he is about to enter Canaan and—or go further in, and— he, and I was just thinking about the frustration he must have had. He was waiting for a lot of years to see something that at the very start he knew God could do. And I wonder how many of us can fall into that, that frustration and disappointment where we, where we see and we know that God can do a great miracle, uh, but, but it doesn't come for some reason in our life. And so I just say that just, uh, just as a thought, passing thought. Um, so in Joshua two, 2, I'll pick it up. And Joshua, son of Nun, he did have parents. Um, and all the people were camped in Acacia. Joshua sent two spies. Uh, no one knew that Joshua sent out these men. Joshua said to them, go and look at the land, especially the city of Jericho. So the men went into the city of Jericho and stayed at the house of a prostitute named Rahab. But someone told the king of Jericho, last night some men from Israel came to look for a weakness in our, city, in our country. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, do not hide these men who came and stayed in your house, bring them out. They have come to spy on our country. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she said they did not come here, uh, they did come here, but i didn 't know where they came from. In the evening when it was time to close the city gate, uh, the men left i don 't know where they went, but if you go quickly, maybe you can catch up with them. Rahab said this, but really she had taken the men up to the roof and hidden them in flax. Now, flax was drying up in the roof space and flax at that time was used to make, they converted it into linen. Um, so that was why it was up there um, drying and it was that season for doing doing that kind of thing. So the king's men went out of the city and the people closed the gates. The king's men went to look for the two men from Israel. They went to the Jordan River and looked at all the places where people crossed the river. The two men were ready uh, the two men were ready to sleep for the night, but Rahab went to the roof to talk to them. She said, I know the Lord has given you this land to your people. You frighten us. Everyone living in this country is afraid of you. We are afraid because we have heard about the ways that the Lord has helped you. We heard that he dried up the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt. We also heard uh, what you did when the, uh, with the two Amorite kings, Sihon and Og. We heard how you destroyed those kings living, uh, living east of the Jordan River. When we heard about this, we were very afraid. And now not one of our men is brave enough to fight you because the Lord your God rules the heavens above the earth and the earth below. So now I want to make you to make a promise to me. I was kind to you and helped you. So promise me before the Lord that you will be kind to my family. Tell me that you will, uh, that, tell, please tell me that you will do this. Tell me that you will allow my family to live, my father, mother, brothers, sisters, and all their families. Promise me that you will save us from death. The men agreed and said, we will trade our lives for yours. Don't tell anyone What we are doing. And basically, uh, they went on and they made a deal with her and she allowed them um, to escape. Now, she had uh, the inn that she ran, and that's why they were staying at her place. She ran an inn, um, and I'll come to that in a minute. But she lived in an inn and it had a window on the side of the fortified wall to Jericho, and she allowed them to. to climb down using rope or scarlet scarlet rope or scarlet cord. Under the agreement that she be protected, her family be protected, and the men said, providing you don't warn the king or tell anyone what we are doing, we will honor our deal. But you, if you tell people, all bets are off. And when we come to the city... Everyone needs to be in your house if anyone leaves the house they um, we 're not responsible for what happens to them. They need to stay with you and so they they put this plan in place and and off they go now um, it 's interesting she she lived in on the edge of um, Jericho and uh, I was watching a program a few years ago where archaeologists, because people have always thought, well, it's a fortified city, it wouldn't have had windows. Uh, it would have just been solid because it was a defence. And that, but archaeologists have been actually digging it up, and guess what they found? Windows. They found rooms that actually uh, play out exactly like this. It's quite amazing uh, the proof that God goes into. Now, Rahab, just to talk about Rahab for a sec, uh, Rahab, the first part of her name actually is named after Ra, the Egyptian sun god. And then the second part of her name, Hab, is actually, it can mean um, a number of things, but it's basically like treacherous, um, fiery, you know, real aggro kind of name. And her people were... um, people of uh, worshipping false idols and everything. So we know that they weren't part of the Israelite camp, so they were going to be into something else. And this is kind of a little bit about her, that she, uh, she had obviously a mixed background. She was named uh, in a weird kind of, you know, with weird kind of, um, what's the word, weird kind of thoughts and um, weird things over her and that. And she had a life that was quite different. Uh, it's interesting, the um, scholars, Jewish scholars and uh, Christian scholars have actually looked and said, well, her, her, she may not have actually been a prostitute. She may have just run an inn because the word can actually be translated to innkeeper. But we'll come f- um, back and answer that question as we go through. Um, So they made this deal and Joshua, as we know, Joshua got his army together and they marched around the camp of Jericho seven times uh, over seven days, six times over six days. And then on the seventh day, they marched around the camp seven times and at the end of it, the priest blew the trumpet the army, and that gave a cry, and the walls of the city fell down. And they then went in. I'm just catching up to where I am. I'm just conscious I'm covering a lot of ground, and I don't want to go too long. And when the walls fell down, Joshua talked to the two spies. He said, you made a promise to the prostitute. Now go to her house and bring her out. And all those who are with her. So the two men went into the house and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, all her family, and all those with her. They put her all in the house, uh, all the people in a safe place outside of the camp of Israel. And then down to verse 25. Joshua saved Rahab the prostitute her family and all those who were with her Joshua let them live because Rahab helped the spies Joshua had sent out of sent out to Jericho And it finishes in verse 25 with Rahab still lives among the Israelites today I think this is an incredible story because here is a woman from a group that is very, very different from Israel. Here is a woman living a type of life that is very, very different from what was allowed in Israel. Here is a woman, uh, you know, in a fortified city with a uh, basically with a, a nation who uh, worshipped Ra um, and probably other gods and whatnot. And she uh, was, um, lived a very um, dodgy lifestyle, I guess one could say. And yet, when she softened herself and realized that there was a God who was all-powerful, and she made decisions to honor God and his people, God actually allowed her to be, actually become part of the Israel camp. And as it says there, that she still lives among them today. Now, so why, why I think it's fascinating is now you go back to that genealogy. Now, now the temptation would be to think, oh, okay, she's a prostitute. Um, so she can be saved, but she'll always be kind of sidelined. Because it does make mention that, that Joshua grabbed her and her family, and they kept, put them in safety outside of Israel's camp. So, now, it doesn't really explain that, but my thinking is they weren't clean and they weren't Israelites, so they were put outside so they didn't defile Israel. But at some point, clearly, they were allowed to actually become part of Israel. And what is interesting is the Bible notes that she became the wife of Salmon, Salmon, who was actually one of the spies who went to her house. Some old um, Jewish uh, um, theologians and, um, and um, writers and that have actually believed that she could have even been the wife of Joshua himself. But the Bible doesn't say that. It says that she was married to Salmon. And uh, so it's an interesting thought. She's, she's gone from being a, a woman of, that was sort of traded in to actually being someone who actually became the lineage of Jesus. And she is not alone in the lineage of Jesus. There are a number of people. There's Beth Sheba, who was an adulterer prior to that and prior to God dealing with the situation. And the thing that I realized through all of this is when we come to God— and we come to, we honour His ways and we honour Him, He actually allows us to become His people. And so the, 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 the application that I get for this today is that it doesn't matter who we are or where we're from or how we think about ourselves or how society looks at us, there is a place for us here in God's family. Hebrews 11, Paul talks about faith. Faith is what makes real the things we hope for. It is proof of what we cannot see. God was pleased with the people who lived a long time ago because they had faith like this. Faith helps us understand what God created the whole world by his command. That that God created the whole world by his command. Sorry, I get a bit of glare off the screen. This means that the things we see were made by something we cannot see. And then it jumps down to, he gives examples and he goes through people of great faith as examples to us. And guess who pops up in verse 31? And Rahab the prostitute welcomed the Israelite spies like friends and because of her faith, she was not killed with uh, ones who refused to obey. So she not only gets brought into the Israel camp and becomes part of the family she actually becomes part of the lineage of Jesus and in fact of all you know all the people that Paul is quoting through the bible she becomes one of those people that he that he highlights which to me is an incredible thing and just the absolute grace of god on every single life and we should Remember that personally, that, that's, that God is no respecter a person. See, she was a prostitute, but God doesn't care about that stuff. And in your life, it doesn't matter what you know is back in a closet somewhere or part of your life before you knew God or part of your world or part of your thinking or part of your old family and that. When we come to God, it is all gone and God hits the reset button on it. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I absolutely love that. John 1 verse 11 says, He came into the world that was His own, and His own people did not accept Him, but some people did accept Him, they believing in Him, and He gave them the right to become the children of God. Regardless of where we stand with God, when we give ourselves to God, He allows us to become the children of God. And that is an incredible thing. So, the Gabian service. Back to here. This is all about welcoming people who have decided to make Lane Park Church their home. And so, I want to... uh, I'll just pray, and then I'll um, get you to come up. Those of you that want to make Lane Park Church your home, feel free to come up the front, and we'll carry on uh, with the Gabian service. So, Father, I thank you, God, for this example, that when we come to you, you blot out our past. It doesn't matter what's lurking in the background. It is gone. It is uh, dead and buried, and it's behind us, and our new life is with you. Father God, and so uh, we give ourselves to you, and uh, we just thank you for this, uh, another reminder of how incredible you are, God, in Jesus' name, amen. So, if, you're, if you've if you started coming to Lane Park Church since the last Gabian service, which was, uh, I think, a little bit over a year ago now, uh, you are free to come up the front, what I'll do, uh, we'll introduce you to church, I'll get you to say who you are where you're from, and then uh, we've got some stones there, and you can pop a stone in the basket. We'll get the elders to come and just pray um, uh, for the group, and then uh, we'll close the service, have a song, close the service, and we will have good food in the cafe. How does that sound?